Hello, you lovely lot. All of you making whoopsie on a Friday. Making whoopsie, that's sort of like an old-fashioned term, isn't it? It's like a Count Basie, Frank Sinatra. Isn't my, making whoopsie... Yeah, it's that. It's the uh, shenanigans in the afternoon. It's the afternoon delight. I hope some of you are, you know, partaking in. Were you listening to me? You turn up. Turn up the podcast, darling. I want to hear Chappie do his sing. I mean, that's probably what it is. But also, uh, particularly back to good old uh, Frank Spencer. Oh, Betty, I've done a whoopsie in my pants. Oh, I don't know what to do. I wonder if I could keep the whole podcast doing this. Oh, it's a, it's a beautiful Friday and I've done a whoopsies. Oh, Betty. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> that was a character from Some Mothers Do Avon in the 1970s. Uh, yeah, you'll have to look it up. For those who aren't British, you'll have to look up Frank Spencer. Some mothers do have him. And it's, oh, Betty, I've done a whoopsie in my pants. It's like almost like a um, 1970s Mr. Bean. That's who Frank Spencer was. But yeah, he wasn't about making whoopsie. He was married, though. I don't know how Frank became married. It must have been by accident, because he was the most accident-prone uh, simpleton that, uh, the, 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 in the whole of Christendom, basically. But anyway, you should YouTube Frank Spencer, uh, whoopsie, and uh, then you'll get the whole thing. And I think I did a fairly good impression of, uh, of Frank Spencer. I know some of my impressions are absolutely awful. My American accent uh, is uh, something less to be desired. Yes, you don't want. Yeah, my American, it sounds like a sort of southern girl. I just wish I could do the Bill Clinton. And a couple of weeks ago, I t- was talking about the uh, the Uber driver who basically sounded a cross between Bill Clinton and Elvis. Now, I think that's like the coolest accent, if you can have that as well. Just imagine. I would love to. Yeah, you take that down in old London town. I think you would uh, have some success and a lot of interest on a Friday night uh, with that uh, Elvis stroke Bill Clinton type of accent going on. That sort of drawl, you know, I can't get the draw, the drawl, the drawl. Anyway, it's lovely to be here again as your little precursor, your peritif before the weekend's festivities. That's what I see this podcast as. It's purely, uh, it's purely an appetizer. It's no more than that. I wouldn't. I mean, I wouldn't want to. I wouldn't want to proclaim that this uh, this nonsense is any more than a preamble to the fun that you're going to have over the course of this coming weekend. And it's Valentine's weekend, so chaps, what have you done? Now the discount flowers at the local garage, the garage, the gas station. You know, because if you go after five o'clock, you can get maybe 25, 30% off. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. If you go home with that and, uh, you know, in some thin mints or maybe a Twix, uh, that Twix will probably be inserted where the sun don't shine. That's what's going to happen. So I wouldn't ta- I wouldn't bring back the Twix. If you've got a double finger Twix, that could be... <laughs> I mean, that could be quite painful if you bring back the discount flowers. Yeah, that's not going to work out, chaps. Think about it a little bit. 
and you may have just left it too late. You may not be able to get any flowers or any gifts at this time. You may not be able to get them in time. So what are you going to do? You're going to overcook some salmon. Maybe write some poetry. I'd love to see some like last minute poetry that uh, a desperate man has written because he hasn't got any other present. That would be very amusing. So you've got, what is it? Monday is Valentine's Day. Some people will be expecting to celebrate this weekend. So you better get a wriggle on, gentlemen. Or even some ladies, you know, there's maybe some ladies out there who have really not done the best job in terms of getting the presents together. I imagine there's a lot of ladies, a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, uh, gay chaps out there who are probably very efficient, very organized, and everything's ready to go. Everything's already been wrapped as a bow. You know, there may be a singing telegram or something. I think, I think straight men are probably the worst in terms of these things. But you know what? You could make your partner, lover, wife, girlfriend, a little bit of thought in there. Maybe, maybe, maybe make something. Or you could go the practical route. Just don't get any bath salts or anything. That moisturizer, self sort of pedicure kits, that's probably not going to work very well as well. Now, maybe a joint pedicure and manicure. You take your, you know, take your uh, girlfriend or wife out and have the, have the full Monty. You have the, the pedicure, the manicure. Maybe you could even do the wax as well. Yes, gentlemen. No pain, no gain. I would seriously consider manicure, pedicure, and wax. And I'm not talking about the top upper lip here. Do you ever get the feeling that you're being listened to? Sort of bugged, uh, maybe uh, wiretapped or something along those lines. I think my watch is listening to me. I've talked about this before. I do have these mischievous AILs listening to every word. Now... I've already got maybe 20% off DoorDash and Uber Eats for Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's already, that keeps popping through. Now, if I get it three days in a row, can I add that together? That's 60%? My basic simple mathematics, yeah, it's 60. Okay. Do I get 60% off? I've also been uh, sent Uber Reserve. I can reserve an Uber ride on Valentine's Day, just as I was talking about it a few minutes ago. So chaps, if you want, if you don't want it to get too busy, you have to reserve yourself, uh, you know, an Uber Lyft ride or car ride or, I don't know, grab a granny, whatever, whatever means you have to get around, then, uh, then that's what you need to consider here. But yeah, the AILs are listening intently to me broadcasting on this podcast right now. God knows whatever discounts I'll get before the end of the day. Maybe if I mention ice cream, Hagen dazs ice cream. I feel like ice cream tonight. Siri, I feel like ice cream tonight. Yeah, well, Uber reserve. I can reserve my, <laughs> I can reserve my ride share, my Uber Uber ride, uh, for, <laughs> for Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's all very, it's all very exciting stuff over here. So some of the things that we may, I may, I can get a Domino's pizza. I've got a discount just come in off Domino's pizza. So I can order a pizza and get a ride home. Yeah, not bus fare home. 
I can get the ride home. So, have you ever had a uh, sort of competency test, competency interview? Yeah, let's talk about those. Uh, also, I, I've got a little homeless guy who I've seen a couple of times scurry off into the bushes. He has a shopping cart. Uh, I saw one of his friends the other day. And they would do something very, very endearing and quite fun. And we'll be talking about that a little bit later today as well. Also, how wondrous and marvellous are birds? I saw something the other day, and I'm not talking, oh, yeah, yeah, I love it, yeah, how wondrous and marvellous are birds? Yeah, not that. I'm talking about the feathered variety. And, um, and we're talking about evolution here. Now, I, I'm just hazarding a guess, I think, man learned from our humble feathered friends and we talk about that as well have you gone around measuring fruit in grocery stores recently as well and uh, also something quite revealing about uh, chunky corgis we do have a trump or trombone session in play we're going to have some more very british problems uh, also that'll be drum rolling its way uh, before the weekend uh, but liam neeson stuns tv host this week with a sad confession that he fell in love with a woman while filming his latest movie in Australia. But they couldn't get together because she was taken. Yes, we have the lazy way to lose weight is to sleep another hour. If you can get to bed an hour or so earlier than usual tonight, you could save yourself the equivalent of three biscuits worth of calories. Boosting your sleep by almost half an hour and a quarter each night can lead you to consume 270 fewer calories each day, a study has found. While it's true that getting to bed earlier leaves less time for late night snacking, the saving actually comes as we feel hungrier when we feel tired and less able to regulate our appetite. When one is rested, it curbs your appetite and leads to one to consume fewer calories the next day, according to a study led by researchers at the University of Chicago. In a randomized trial, Researchers took 80 subjects, 41 men and 39 women. Does that mean men are more inclined to eat like biscuits before bed or candy or maybe tuck the Big Mac under the uh, under the pillow? Because, you know, I do like the idea of a double pillow and then your hands under a Big Mac as well for extra support. It sounds wonderful. All of them had a body mass index of between 25 and 29%, placing them in the overweight category. So there may have been a big neck. There may have even been a baconator under the pillow here. All the participants habitually slept for less than six and a half hours per night. I think they're describing me, although I, my average is seven and a half hours. The participants were given a personalized sleep hygiene counseling session such as sessions were recommended changes in habits such as us avoiding the use of mobile phone late at night. Yes, I've started doing that. I've told you the listener before. I plug my phone in in the kitchen and I don't look at it or touch it in the night. Yes, we're talking about the phone here. The study published in the JAMA Internal Medicine Journal found that the training helped the participants get an extra one and a half uh, to uh, one hour to, uh, to one hour, 12 minutes of sleep. Those who extended their sleep were found to have a significant decrease in energy intake compared to those who maintained their usual patterns. Well, here's the thing. What happens, what happens if you take the biscuits to bed? How about if you eat them in your sleep and you have a, a messy, melty Viscount biscuit or chocolatey and melty everywhere all over the pillow but this is my fear here you've got the situation where 
you've taken a packet or two of biscuits to bed. I mean, and then you've got the situation if you've eaten them in bed, either asleep, in slumber, because I think you can sleep and eat. That's why people have midnight feasts. They're not actually awake. They're eating when they're asleep or you're eating and you're wide awake. But the thing is, if you've got a chocolate digestive or if you're hobnobbing it in bed, you know, or any any biscuit, I think if, you, if you're probably having an Oreo, Oreos are quite crumbly as well. So you've got a situation, you've got crumbly biscuits all in your bed you're not going to sleep for an extra hour and a half because with those crumbs, you're not going to go to sleep. You'll be rolling around in crumbs all night. You'll be picking crumbs out of your crevasse all night. So I don't think that's going to help at all. So those slightly rotund individuals who take biscuits to bed are in real trouble. Now, the thing is, you need to get yourself a trusted slim person who can lock the biscuits, the cookies, the chocolate in a cupboard. They have the combination lock. And they may give you like half a cookie a day. That's what you need. You need a caretaker, a keeper of the goods, the biscuits, the candy, the sweets, all of it. Who will let you have a nibble of it. Or maybe you can do the whole thing of just licking it and put it in the fridge. So you get the taste. Yes, there's people out there who are lickers who just lick the chocolate and just put it in the fridge. I think we talked about this before. But those people out there who want to have extra sleep, you need a keeper to lock the cookies away and you don't need to know the combination. Because if not, you're going to have crumbs all over the bed and you're probably going to lose three or four hours of sleep. I mean, on the subject of sleep, as you know, I think I talked about this before, I have been wearing my watch to bed. Yes, it's not the Mickey Mouse one with the luminous hands. No, 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 don't be cheeky. It is uh, the Apple Watch that tracks my sleep. So I've been tracking my sleep and it's better than I thought. You know, I have a good heart rate dip, which probably means I'm not gonna die in the night. Well, hopefully not touch wood, pray to the heaven above. Um, but uh, it's pretty good overall. For, 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 a, for a chump of my size, I've got a good sleep dipping action and uh, I got a good, good heart rate of sleep. And a uh, good, good amount of time, a little bit lower than my average sleeping time. So, what I found though, is wearing the watch to bed stresses me out. Because it tells me I had to go to bed at 10.30. Well, what happened if I'm watching a great show? I've been watching The Servant on Apple, Apple TV, which is a great show, very creepy. I don't want to go to bed at 10.30. I want to go to bed at 11 o'clock or 11.30. But it keeps buzzing on my wrist telling me to go to bed and, and it's stressing me out. I can't handle it anymore. I do not want the watch. I don't want the watch to be my master. Which it sort of becomes. Because you have it on and it says you need to go to bed. Well, I'm not tired yet. Stop with I've been drinking tea. I've been drinking the basic decaffeinated tea that's bleached tea bags or something. So God knows what's going out around in my gullet right now. But I can't handle it anymore. I can't. I don't want to be told by my... It's almost like a maternal watch here. And my mother was never that strict. But my watch is like a matron. You have to go to bed now. Go to bed. Go to bed. You no tea and biscuits tomorrow if you don't go to bed. I mean, that's basically what the watch is telling me here. Siri has me over a barrel, basically. Siri has become my strict matron 
that instead of taking my temperature by the mouth, it's sticking up my bottom. And you know how awful that is. I mean, I think they still do that in the UK. <laughs> yeah, that's for my, Amer for my American friends. On the National Health Service, yes, on the National Health Service, when you're going to get your temperature taken, you have the thermometer sticked up your bottom. Yes, it's not, not taken orally. It's stuck at the bottom still. I mean, there'll be people like spreading rumors. Oh yeah, you know, on the NHS they they have to they have to line up, and they if they have a heart attack they can't get in to see the doctor, and they take their temperature by sticking a thermometer up their ass. That's that's gonna be a rumor now. Oh, socialized medicine. This is what happens. Let's see if it goes out there. It'll probably there'll probably be some doctor on Joe Rogan or some other podcast saying, yeah, this is what happens when you have socialized medicine. You have to have a thermometer up your bottom. And you if you have a heart attack, you, you can't get in to see the doctor for five days. That's absolute rot, by the way. Rot, I tell you. So have you ever taken any sort of competency test? Because everything's about competency tests. Yes, uh, you've had a situation... When have you been in a situation where you've had to do this? Give me an example of when in your life and your career you've had to do this. Everybody has to do that these days. And you're, and you're sort of put on the spot. You get 45 years old, you can't really remember what you did yesterday. I can't remember if I had a soft-boiled egg or porridge yesterday morning for breakfast. Or whether I had a shit shaving or shampoo. I cannot remember what I did yesterday. So <laughs> you're already testing. It's basically memory competency. Or you're making something up as you go along. I mean, I don't know. But that's uh, that's that's not an easy task, I would imagine. I mean, look at Boris Johnson. I mean, he's sort of making it up as he as he goes along. But you know what? He's still in the seat of prime minister. He's still got messy hair. He still uh, doesn't know that a, a cake is approaching him at, from 11 o'clock. But he's still in the seat. As he sang... To his new communications advisor, he will survive. He's like a cross between Clinton and uh, and Trump. It's like Teflon. You can't get him. You know, it, it, nothing sticks to him. Is that uh, is that situation here? But yeah, competency interviews is a whole different situation. You know, you basically would buy your potential new boss a drink, and you get the job back in the day. A couple of questions at the pub. You know, how quickly can you down a pint? You know, do, are you good at doing the sun crossword? Can you engage in uh, locker room banter? And then you got the job. These days, it's like um, the, uh, you know, a dozen challenges of Hercules. Just add a few on. You've already lift Atlas up. You've already cleaned the Elysian fields. Let's give you, an, give you another challenge to do. I mean, another problem to think about as well, when you're thinking about competency interviews... What happened if you're incompetent? So I heard about this in the week. Basically, it's a brewery's Girl Scout cookie pairing party. So you've got pairing Girl Scout cookies that my dearest daughter's trying to sell at the moment and doing quite well. And I had to say, they taste like bottom. Girl Scout cookies are the worst cookie. What happened? Why can't you have a nice Viscount or a Boasters or a Chocolate Digestive or a Cadbury's Finger? I mean, a couple of Cadbury's fingers, and everybody's happy here. Anyway, so Thin Mints, 
Oreo mint chocolate milk stout. I might go for that. For Samoas, I was going to say samosas. Now, I'm a bigger fan of samosas than the Samoas. Samoas, toasted coconut caramel oatmeal stout. Lemon ups, lemon cookie cream ale. That sounds insipid. It's like a limoncello. I'm not a fan of the limoncello. And Tagalongs, peanut butter marshmallow Oreo milk stout. That sounds like you're about to probably lose all your teeth and require dentures if you eat that or drink that. Is it so thick you may need to eat it? Oh, why did they stop making boasters? This is like big chunks, big chocolate chunks in a cookie with hazelnuts. Now that is the best cookie, the best biscuit ever. But they stopped making them. I mean, I had enough of them at at university. Between that and gin and tonics, that was my diet. And in other news... Uh, apparently shaking your duvet too vigorously while making your bed can increase your chances of a heart attack. Now, we're talking about straightening up the sheets. We're not talking about like putting the tent up, so to speak, whatever euphemism you want to use. If you're, uh, <laughs> if the waterbeds are shaking, uh, you know, look out, get a punch of repair kit, basically. But uh, yes, yeah, so you don't want to vigorously shake the sheet too much. I mean, are we talking about a weighted blanket? Because I imagine if you had like a, a weighted blanket, maybe 35 pounds, but it doesn't have to be like a, a quarter of your weight or something. A 40 pound weighted blanket. Now, if you were shaking that vigorously, you could have no end of issues and problems. Uh, I mean, that's that's a whole bone shaker. You'll probably give yourself a heart attack and dislocate your shoulder at the same time. So we're talking about AILs. So I got this in the week. This was sent to me. Uh, and it was basically lovestoriestips.com for Slavic ladies. Slavic ladies. I, I, honestly, honest, Gov, I haven't been looking at these sites. I don't look at these sites. Well, not anymore, anyway. But anyway, I'm very happy. I don't look at Slavic ladies sites, honestly. But anyway, this is basically, if I could get this clip loaded onto the, uh, onto the podcast here, this is basically what was heard. Uh, this is Slavic Ladies, basically dot com. And even you can't deny that a lot of men are physically attracted to them. Anyway, Slavic women are truly respect and appreciate American men. These ladies are passionate. They have been raised to respect family and traditional values. American guys are usually less passionate and emotional than Slavic men. It may seem that this could stop the local girls from looking for a foreign husband, but opposites attract. Yeah, so apparently opposites attract and uh, Slavic men are more passionate than <laughs> than American men. Apparently American men aren't passionate. So why are Slavic ladies interested in American men if they're not that passionate? Well, they have the Wonga, don't they? They have the filthy green. They have a couple of Benjamins where the Slavic men don't have it. But I mean, what what's the situation here? Firstly, I'm not an American man. And secondly, I don't, I'm not interested in Slavic women. Why are they marketing this stuff to me? And I tell you something, if I was an American man listening to that, I would be very much put off the idea. I would not open my wallet. I would not swipe. I would not pass go. I would not collect 200 pounds. Okay, we have another extract of Rate My Plate, one of my favorite Twitter sites. It's a Twitter handle, at Rate My Plate, and people put up pictures of their food now everybody does this on instagram 
But everybody's sort of fairly nice on Instagram. They're not like rating it. On Twitter, it is much more brutal. So, saw this in the week. It's Jacket Spuds, or Jacket Potatoes, is this in the UK, Jacket Spuds, stuffed with cheese and wrapped in bacon, then smothered in barbecue sauce, slow roasted. This is from Liz. These are the responses. How to turn jacket potatoes and bacon into toffee apples. Not keen on barbecue sauce, but like the idea and the rest of it. Wow, that's extra, but I'm loving it. Looks amazing. It's a nice idea, but I'd rather have jacket with cheese and crispy bacon on the side. Already done a Game of Thrones by Denarius Tarragon, mother of baked bean potatoes. Skin of a baked bean is the best bit. Leave it alone. Looks brill, but wonder what the skin's like. Crispy skin is the best bit. Not so much rate my plate as rate my hand grenade. Here's one that may be coming to PBS fairly soon. Mary Beard on erect Egyptians and Randy Romans meet the queen of X-rated art. There's a new television program, and I'm sure it'll be on Amazon Prime or, or PBS in no time here. It's called Forbidden Art, and it's uh, the classicist and queen of X-rated art explains why classical art was often filthy and why culture wars need a rebrand. It starts like some flipbook fallacies. Eye-boggling pictures flash before your gaze. Erect Egyptians, um, Priapic Romans, Levacious Orientals, Lumicent Greeks. Let the number of willies not mentioned suggest what they may have done with them that can be crammed into the first few seconds after the watershed is merely the start of it. So this is a TV show by Mary Beard. It's called Forbidden Art and uh, will examine artworks that have been considered inappropriate for the broader public public to view. Uh, it begins inviting us into the British Museum's uh, secretum. <laughs> it's, no longer an, uh, uh, <laughs> it's no longer a section of housing items were considered obscene, moves rapidly towards mere erotica. What should have been on show has changed over the centuries. Well, you must be kidding me. Look at Pammy and Tommy or Pam and Tommy <laughs> yeah you've got to talk about a talking phallus I bet I bet Julius Caesar I mean can you imagine like Julius Caesar and Brutus as willies talking to each other but yeah it's not be aware the Ides of March be aware what's behind you if that was the case I mean the Romans wouldn't do that the Romans and ancient Greeks would not have talking willies we talked about this last week and I mean, obviously, I uh, this podcast loves sort of uh, traversing below the belt, <laughs> quite literally. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's not quality television. But you know what? The final part, or is it eight parts? I don't know. But the fi- I think the final part came out yesterday and I'm ready to watch it. That's what television's about. Sometimes it's not about, uh, it's not about the... Uh, a classy train journey from uh, on the Orient Express or something along those lines. Sometimes it's just mere entertainment and the entertainment of a flaccid willy talking. I haven't been able to, I haven't been able to stop, uh, stop talking about it all week. I mean, it, it's the, <laughs> it's a hand that keeps on giving and probably that was literally the case for uh, Tommy Lee. Okay. So seeing tricky Dicky, in a pepper, it's sex bias. 
evolution may have hardwired humans to faces in inanimate objects, mainly as male. It's like seeing Jesus Christ on a crumpet. I mean, don't you see every buttered crumpet? You see the Christ-like figure? In Swansea, there's a house that looks like Hitler. But where's the house that looks like Eva Brown? Burnt toast frequently looks like Jesus. But what often people spot the Virgin Mary before spreading their marmalade? I'm glad they said spreading the marmalade rather than something else. This apparent sex bias is not mere anecdote, a study has found. Scientists have shown that when we see faces and things from the bin that looks like Donald Trump, Donald is a little bit like Dusty Ben, to the green pepper that looks like Richard Nixon, we're far more likely to see them as male. They also suggest that this preference for ascribing male characteristics to everything from wonky root vegetables, uh, yeah, you basically see a dick. So, you know, when you see uh, <laughs> when you see a carrot with a phallus, then, you know, you might see Donald Trump and it's orange as well. So, yes, a carrot would be very apt. Susan Wardle from the U.S. National Institute of Mental Health uh, in Bethesda, Maryland, was the lead author on the research that interested in face uh, pareidolia. The study of illusory faces spotted in inanimate objects since she was young. She came to, what a job. How do you get a job where you're basically a behavioral scientist uh, doing mental health research in where you see male faces in inanimate object? Suddenly it hit her though. Where are the female faces? We don't see many. Whenever she looked at, say, the angry open mouth of a washing machine or the pursed lips of a petulant-looking apple, she realized in assuming it was male. Human brains were programmed to see faces and to distinguish between them very effectively. One-sided effect of having evolved this system is that we see even when we do, they do not exist. The research has shown that a bare minimum of facial characteristics are enough to induce this. Studying this effect is interesting because it can illuminate the fundamental cognitive programs used to navigate life proceedings of national academy of sciences wardle investigated this sex bias and the study involved around 4,000 people yes 4,000 people presented subjects with a series of photographs showing faces and things this include included the angry snarl of a roast chicken a melancholy looking handbag and an elderly potato that appeared to be tired of life for each photograph, people were invited to say whether the image had a gender, and if so, what. By a ratio of four to one, people felt the objects were male. It's not just activating a rudimentary face detection system, she said. It's also bleeding into our social perception system without us realizing, until suddenly we find ourselves thinking, why does this carrot have so much personality? Oh, look, my turnip looks like King Jong-un. Well, it's a smaller turnip. I mean, he would have used to be a much bigger turnip, but now he's a much more slender turnip. So this was an article in Pop Sugar. And this isn't me. This is the writer, Amanda McCoy. Now, I have turmeric every day, and I I think probably people are bored now with me uh, excelling the virtues of turmeric. But this lady... Uh, Amanda consumed fresh ginger every day for one week. These were the results, though. So maybe I'm going to introduce ginger, or maybe not. I've always loved the flavor of ginger. Spicy and pungent, it's delicious in tea form, and almost completely cuts the bitterness of vegetables in fruit, fresh juices, smoothies. Adding ginger is basically the only way I can stomach beets in my juices. I love pickled beets. 
That's part of my diet. That's that's part of my six a day. A pickled beet a day keeps everybody away. And while I always known it's frequently used to aid digestion, I will humbly admit I had no idea the spice boasts a sprawling list of medicinal uh, benefits. Anti-inflammatory improves heart health, eases nausea, 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 nausea. It eases nausea, I tell you. And motion sickness helps expel free radicals from the body and even linked to low in cholesterol. Its spicy root has much power. Had to put it to the test. I decided to consume fresh ginger every day for seven days. And while there's many ways to consume it, I opted to head straight to my juicer every morning for a ginger and lemon shot. Sounds pretty good. Continue my ritual with a homemade cup of ginger tea at night. Whipping up the tea to simply pour boiling water over a hunk of raw ginger. Oh, you hunky piece of raw ginger, you. And I'm going to be totally candid here. I hope it's not candy ginger because candy ginger is probably not good for you. When it comes to bathroom habits, I've never been regular. And again, this is Amanda, not me. Uh, switching to a healthier diet certainly helped. I will never give up cheese. Yes, well, Amanda and I are like sort of birds of a feather here, basically. But anyway, the effect of fresh ginger was quick. By the third day, she was, you know, using the... Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I use that a lot recently. That, the little whistle can be used for many things. Yeah. When you don't want to say it live on a podcast. Anyway, the ginger helped her. It helped things move smoothly. No after dinner bloating when she finished her meal of broccoli. Was it just, so she just had a meal of ginger and broccoli. She probably waif like she needs a good piece of steak or something. But anyway. The ginger tea. So maybe that's the key. A little ginger and turmeric aperitif. Welcome to the wondrous time that you'll have in the company of another trample trombone. A school has found itself in hot water after teachers handed out a bizarre assignment to children between the ages of 13 and 40, which asked them to compare their favorite pizza toppings to their sexual preferences. Students at the eighth grade uh, in the UK, John F. Kennedy Middle School in Enfield, Connecticut, handed the pizza and consent project last week, sparking anger amongst the parents. The assignment, which was uploaded and quickly deleted, began fairly innocently by comparing ordering pizza to getting consent okay it read we can use pizza as a metaphor for sex when you order pizza with your friends everybody checks in about each other's preferences some people might be vegan some might be gluten-free others might love pineapple and some possibly prefer pepperoni i mean how can you compare pizza to sex be disgraceful during to bring pineapple into the bedroom and a woman has vowed to ditch meat altogether after finding a foot inside her little roast chicken. Uh, Mercedes Checkley bought a seasoned bird from Lidl a uh, Sunday ago and popped it in the oven for a roast dinner for herself and three friends. But when she removed it from the oven an hour and 45 minutes later, she discovered an entire chicken foot hiding in the animal's body. The horror sight left poor Mercedes vomiting and feeling faint and she's vowed to ditch meat altogether after the situation. I honestly didn't know what to process it even first. My housemate heard me make a weird noise, and she knew something was wrong. I think it was a shock. At first it was disbelief and almost funny, because I was shocked that when the reality set in, I felt very faint and physically sick. I'm gutted because my roast dinner is my favorite meal 
one of my safe meals. I, I have bowel disease. Yeah, I mean, the, the chicken's foot's not going to help bowel disease, is it? It's not going to help things flow. The, tide, the, the, the rivers of Babylon are not going to flow with a chicken's foot if you consume one of those. I mean, <laughs> it's ruined it for life. It's basically the roast dinner's put, the, put its foot in its own mouth there. Anyway, I guess instead of finger licking good, it would be foot licking good. And a pensioner got the shock of his life when he raced to save a woman washed up on the beach, but discovered as a human-sized headless sex doll. Chris Ford, 67, was looking for driftwood after a recent storm when he came across a mutilated silicon female body, bits on show, lying face down. The retired photographer said he always feared he'd discover a human body during one of his regular sweeps of the beach, but relieved to discover that the victim was just a sex doll. I mean, sex dolls have feelings, how dare they? He uh, quickly called his partner over to take pictures, and they were left in hysterics. Chris of Portland Dorsey said it was a human-like figure, but was too clean and too pretty. If you like, a, if you like a, the plastic look. And it didn't have a head, yes. Apart from its lack of face, it was anatomically correct. I mean, how close a look did this guy do? Did he... I mean, did he place his hands and... I don't know. This guy sounds like a pervert. I'm always out collecting driftwood after storms. Now he's going to be out looking for a sex doll or the missing head so he can reattach it to the body here. Dear me. Naughty boy. Caught me by surprise, but we can only speculate where it came from. It's a busy shipping canal uh, with lots of uh, boats. So it could have come from one of the, maybe a fisherman's wife found it on the cupboard and threw it overboard. I mean, you're not going to make a fisherman's friend very easily, are you? If you're carrying around, uh, if you're carrying around sex dolls. I mean, at least he doesn't try to give it mouth to mouth. I mean, what could have happened? A nasty mouth of seaweed. Yes, that's a wet fish, by the way, fisherman's friend and all. Well, there we go. Another podcast for you. Keep calm and cauliflower cheese. I don't think I ever said the number of the... T- I think it's 162, isn't it? Let's look together, shall we? I think it's 162. Let's have a look here. No, it's 163. Lucky I didn't say it because I would have got it wrong. 163. Like and subscribe where you can. All the regular channels. If you like your audio version of the podcast, then you can listen on Apple Music, Slacker, Breaker, Audible, Amazon Music, Pandora, iHeartRadio, all of the above. I mean, I bet you when he pulled that sex doll out and pulled all the water that was probably in salty water in all the orifices, you could hear as a sort you know, it's like lifting a shell to your ear. You could probably, as he lifted the sex doll to his ear, you could hear Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese emanating from the doll, without a doubt. If you like music on Spotify, you can listen to the Music Emporium Butler Edition, where it's basically me spouting off in my usual haphazard, chaotic way with music in between. I mean, this week, yeah, what do we have? We've got some Sinatra in there. You know, we've got a little bit of Frank Sinatra in there. We've got some Estelle. We've got some Reef. And lots of other surprises for you, the listener. Coming up next, though, we have a poem. This is Thomas Hardy, I Said to Love. 
I said to love, it's not now as in old days when men adored thee and thy ways all else above. Name thee the boy, the bright, the one who spread a heaven beneath the sun, I said to love. I said to him, we now know more of thee than then. We were weak in judgment when with hearts abrim we clamoured thee that wouldst please inflict thine agonies, I said to him. I said to love, thou art not young, thou art not fair, no fairy darts, no cherubair, nor swan nor dove are thine, but features pitiless, and iron daggers of distress, I said to love. Depart then, love, men's race shall end, dost threaten thou, the age to come, the man of now, knew of nothing, we fear, not such a threat of thee, we are too old in apathy, mankind shall cease, so let it be, I said to love. I will be back before the end of the weekend with another edition of Keep Calm and Cauliflower Cheese. I hope you have a lovely weekend. And gentlemen, as I said at the top of the show, don't get the discount flowers from the gas station or the garage, even if they're 50% off. Yeah, if you're going to do that, make sure you bring some snacks as well. Until next time, cheerio for me.